On today's Locked On Texas podcast, vets and rookies. What rookie should start day one and what veteran needs to really have a good season this upcoming year? We also dive into the YouTube comments. Cody, before we do anything, it's Thursday. Start the countdown. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Thursday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm John Hickman, joined by Cody Davis. And uh, really quick, before we dive into the show, Cody, my Twitter page has been hacked. So, <laughs> oh man, it hurts! It, it hurts. It hurts. Uh, I've been working that Twitter page for a very long time, and if you've gotten a weird DM or mm. if you've seen that Twitter page tweet that they're selling tickets to was a Jack Harlow <laughs> concert or something in, in Los Angeles, it's not me. It's not me, but I'll get a new Twitter page up soon. Uh, so sorry about that inconvenience. If you, if you guys have tried to follow me or if you've gotten one of those weird and obnoxious rude DMs from that page, I apologize. I'll be up and running on Twitter soon. But let's dive into the uh, veteran Cody's that needs an opportunity to uh, really show out this year, right? And I think it's very important for some veterans that have been here before Nick Casario, before Lovey Smith, to really show what they can do on a football field. Cody, one of my vets that I'm really looking forward to this season is Ross Blacklock. And let me say this. Hmm. The reason why I'm talking about Ross Blacklock as a veteran that needs a good season is because simply he wasn't drafted by this current regime. Right? And so he's a player at this time that I think was a very good player in situations last year, provided good depth for the interior defensive line. I think Ross is a good player. Uh, And when I look at that 2020 draft class, which is by far one of the weakest in franchise history, uh, I think we've seen enough from Bernard to at least say that he should be a part of Houston's future. For Ross, I'm not sure if that has been established just yet. Right, and when I look at year two, Ross Blacklock recorded a quarterback pressure on 10.2% of his snaps. Tied for the 11th best in the NFL, recorded a career high in tackles with 22. 14 of those were solo tackles, um, along with two sacks, six quarterback hits, uh, also two pass deflections. He also a fumble recovery, and that was during week three of the Carolina game. So uh, one thing about Ross Blacklock that he stated this year, that he wants to be a leader, be that veteran presence. He said that back in early January of this year. He continued with personally. I think there is always another level to go. Personally, I want want to I want to do one thing next year, and it should be more of a leader and captain in my room as far as being an older guy in my room and speaking of that defensive line front. So those are all of the things that does a couple of things for me. That speaks volumes to where he's going to, at least he's projected himself from where he wants to be in only year three, right? Remember, you know, a lot of people forget he was drafted right before Jonathan Taylor. And I think that's a chip mm-hmm. on his shoulder 
that I, he needs to carry, right? Because a lot of people will look at that and say, well, we could have had Jonathan Taylor and our running back problems could have been fixed a long time ago. But we went with the hometown kid. As we know, Ross Blacklock is out of Mo City, Missouri City. And so in year three, him just kind of getting better and better and more comfortable. I think now that he's in a 4-3 defense, that will help his game. He's way more comfortable in that scheme. But he's just a player that we want you to prove, Ross. And I know this is how I feel. I've heard people say it. Whether or not you're worth being around uh, the team for their future in the five or six years Nick Casario has as general manager that he signed for. I think he will. However, the numbers need to prove it. He progressed last season from year one. So I'm expecting another big progression. And hopefully that we'll see those two sacks go up to three and a half, four sacks. We'll see those tackles go up from 22, maybe to 35, right? Constantly getting closer to their quarterback, creating pressure to where now, instead of whether or not we're wondering if he is, going to be a part of Houston's uh, defensive front future during the serial years. Well, we may look at him as a staple. Hmm. Um, I'm glad that you went Ross Blacklock because, John, when I thought about this topic, I thought about how we can talk about how important it is for a lot of these veterans to come out there and showcase what they can actually do on the football field. Him and Titus Howard are the main two guys that I thought about. Why? Because, correct me if I'm wrong, and I do believe I could be correct on this. I think there's only three guys on this current roster entering training camp where who are still here from the Bill O'Brien regime. Brandon Cooks, Titus Howard, and Ross Blacklock. That's it. Well, well and, Laramie. Laramie well, oh, and Laramie. So, so four. Uh, that's it. Everybody else is gone. And that's very telling because, of course, Laramie Tunsil, his future prior to, you know, them working out their problems, his future with this organization was was in doubt. And it seems like he's at least on board for 2022. But out of everybody who is still here from the Bill O'Brien era, Brandon Cooks is the only guy who you can honestly say is still going to be a part of this Houston Texans team beyond the 2022 season. Which brings me to my next point, the one veteran that needs to go out there and showcase what he can do, not just to make an argument to why he should be a part of the Houston Texans moving forward, but just for his his payday, and that's, of course, Titus Howard. And the reason why that is so telling to me is because Yes, they picked up his fifth-year option. Yes, we are all expecting him to reclaim his role as right tackle for this upcoming season. However, Monday, when we had an opportunity to talk to Nick Casario, when we had an opportunity to talk to Levy Smith, those two guys were non-committal about Titus Howell still playing right tackle. They still talk about they love his versatility. They still talked about the possibility of him moving around on the offensive line. And we all know that Titus Howard is not good at guard. However, John, in terms of why this year is so important to Titus Howard, depending on how he goes out and perform this season, it's going to affect his payday because look, if he goes out, reclaim his role as right tackle and perform really well, he could arguably be the second highest offensive lineman for the Houston Texans if they decide to extend him for years to come. However, if he goes out there and put on a good display, he bump up his pay raise and the Houston Texans are not willing to pay that, then you're looking at a situation where he could find himself 
in a better situation, receiving more money from a different team. However, if he underperforms, of course, if he moves on the inside, he's going to get robbed. And of course, if he goes out and be a shell of his former self and the Houston Texans just outright cut him, of course, that will open the door for a team to sign him on a discount. And I don't know how you feel about Titus Howell, but I do believe he is one of the most underrated and underappreciated offensive linemen in this league. I don't think he's one of the most underappreciated. He got to be. Underappreciated in terms of it's unfair, at least from what I'm seeing, it's unfair how much the Houston Texans are pushing him around, you know, from guard to tackle, tackle to guard. That is where I say underappreciated. Yeah, but I wouldn't use the word underappreciated. I would just say uh, it's just unfair to him, right? And and I think that's the best way I'd put it. Uh, Back to your point, hey, so it's kind of tricky when you look at the players that were brought in and signed during Bill O'Brien years because, remember, 2020, he only lasted four games. And so, <laughs> you know, you kind of get, you know, a lost in shuffle a little bit. But Farrell Brown, Eric Murray, and Jonathan Owens, Jonathan Owens did not play mm. in NFL games prior to 2021, but he was brought in and signed to the practice squad. So those are the other uh, three players out of the four you named. But 73 guys out of 53 in two years, <laughs> that's terrible. But, yeah. you know, I, I think back to your Titus Howard point, can you mirror both of them a little bit? I don't think so. When I, when I bring up Ross Blacklock and Titus Howard, I don't think they're a mirror image of one another of circumstance. I think Howard, circumstance-wise, he's just – it just hasn't worked out for him to have consistency. Uh, three offensive line coaches in three years now that we're going into 2000, four years going into 2022 season. Uh, three head, four head coaches. If you're Bill O'Brien, the Romeo Cornell, uh, uh, David, David Cully, and now Lovey Smith. And so a lot of this is just very. It's just not, it's not, it hasn't worked out for what you would want a solid foundation to be, but I think those are two very good candidates. Both of those young men need a very good uh, preseason, offseason, training camp. They need everything to kind of work out in their favor because, uh, you know, Titus Howard, he's due money this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. And Ross Blacklock, you know, I think he would love to continue to play for his home. Right, playing in front of his fans. Of course, he wants to get a big payday. If Houston does keep him around, I'm pretty sure that 50-year option will get picked up. But he does have talent. He shows promise when he's on the field. Just want to see him keep it consistent. I do want to mention this before moving on. Even though I, I don't consider him a veteran as of yet, I do believe this upcoming season is going to be real important for Nico Collins. And I say that only because when you take a look at the Houston Texans bringing in John Mechie, you're talking about a guy who is definitely going to, you know, put put on the show and put on a production where you can where you can say, okay, he's the number two receiver, and at some point he's going to take the mantle as the Houston Texans top receiver. And that's important because remember. Nico Collins was the one prospect that the Texans drafted where we said, okay, we could get behind him. He does have some type of a future. But when I take a look at Collins going into his second year, especially considering that John Mechie is coming off an ACL tear, he cannot let John have a better season than him individually, especially considering last year he only recorded 446 yards. I think John Mechie might be able to do that even if he ends up playing half the season. Yeah, and but let's – 
I'll say I'll like say, I don't I don't want to put too much pressure on it. That's why I say, but I I think this is going to be a very important year because eventually, uh, Nick Casario is going to have to start making some tough choices about the guys that he brought in last year. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They have everything you could ever need in stock. Brake parts, tail light, motor oil, even new carpet. Go to rockauto.com, explore their page, look at their website to find the solutions and everything you need for your auto part needs. And if you go to rockauto.com, write Locked On Texans in there, how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this Thursday installment of Locked On Texans. Later on today, we finally get to see when and where the Houston Texans will be playing with the release of the schedule. And John, listeners, viewers, there's one game everybody's going to have circle. And that's a game, Texans versus Brown inside NRG Stadium. I'm hoping a particular individual is it suspended because i think that might be one of the most interesting games and most anticipated games in franchise history john do you agree <laughs> i think so i think so you know if, if if man you gotta think though if 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 houston fans act a little bit like maybe philly fans or boston fans you know those are uh, Ain't nobody bad as Boston fans. Or maybe Buffalo fans or like those fans that, you know, really just, you know. And, and, and here's the thing, and this is why I'm interested to see this game because four isn't the first and he won't be the last superstar to leave the city of Houston. But right. he might be the worst to leave. That's what and I'm saying. I, so I'm thinking about like if Houston <laughs> fans – like if they get that type of energy, you remember when a, a certain uh, a sexual object was thrown on the field at a game a couple of years ago? I think it was against Brady. Whatever it was, like if 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 what if Houston fans decide to throw out oil on the field or a um, towel or, or left or leftover hoagie uh, sandwiches from lefties and throw that on the field? Like what if they get very creative? and get the ashes from their old jerseys that they burn and throw that on the field as they're walking out. It can be very interesting, but I do, you know, I am one of those players, I mean, players, one of those fans that are really looking forward to that game because the atmosphere surrounding it, right? And, and it can be very, the game outcome can be very good or very bad. I think it'd be competitive. I hope it is. Again, you know, the Browns are a very competitive roster. Uh, without Deshaun Watson. So with Deshaun Watson, they are a very competitive roster, even more than under Baker Mayfield. But I will like to see the media during that week, how they are addressing how you guys, Cody, are uh, not necessarily attacking, like attacking, but like how are you going to attack Deshaun Watson coming back to Houston uh, 24 months after signing the extension, right? And so I think all of that will be interesting 
I can't wait to see it. But we got some rookies we need to talk about, right, Cody? Players that we want to see, rookie players that we want to see start week one. Yeah, and look, the reason why I brought up that game because it's the one of the most anticipated games in franchise history. When you take a look at this 2022 draft class, it might be, if not, one of the most anticipated draft classes that we all want to see. And that's important because on yesterday we had a conversation how Nick Casario talked about kind of lowering the expectation. But as I mentioned, when you are 8-25 and 25 over the last two seasons, you have to make sure you put your rookies, one, in the best situation, but two, you put your rookies out there, you, you give them confidence so they can actually go out there and help turn this organization around. And John... This is a conversation outside of Derek Stingley because, of course, in terms of which rookie should start. Yeah, and Jelly Petra. You know, in terms of which rookie or rookies should definitely start week one or no later than week two of the regular season, those two guys are by far an automatic shoe-in. However, these are players we would like to see and hope to see in terms of being the week one starter. And, John, for me, you should know where I'm going with this. Damian Pierce and the reason why I'm bringing up Pierce who as a guy I would like to see to be the starting running back for the Houston Texans come week one of the regular season first and foremost as we all know he brings explosive excitement and he just brings a new profound energy to the Houston Texans backfield that they have not had in an extremely long time however more importantly for me John listeners and viewers I think when I take my bias aside and I take a look at the overall realistic approach to this, of course, Marlon Mack nine times out of 10 is going to be the starting running back for the Houston Texans come week one of the regular season. However, Marlon Mack is still trying to bounce back after a very serious Achilles injury. And in terms of Damian Pierce becoming the starter, I think that would actually open the door for the Houston Texans to get the best version of Marlon Mack because he would not have to carry that burden of being the primary running back trying to revamp and reshape this run game. And by the way, in terms of Damian Pierce, what I like most about him, not only is he more explosive, not only is he younger, but he did not get a lot of carries during his college days in Florida. And you're talking about a guy who finished his collegiate career with a total of 329 attempts. So he's fresher. When I take a look at this Houston Texans backfield for this upcoming season, I do believe between Pierce and Marlon Mack is going to be a running back by committee group. However, John listeners and viewers, this is an organization that definitely needs to try something new in terms of revamping the running back group because this is an organization that has averaged a league low 87.7 rushing yards per game over the last two seasons. And the best player that they had running the football over the last two seasons was Deshaun Watson. Over the last two years, this is a guy who actually led the Houston Texans in yards per attempt at 4.9. And that is very sorry, considering that, of course, this is a guy who did not play the entire 2021 season. And that is very bad because this is an organization who wanted to be a run-heavy offense and none of your running backs ended up surpassing Deshaun Watson. Who is the quarterback, by the way? <laughs> By the way, like we don't know. <laughs> so, you know, I'm glad you looked at Damian Pierce. I'll argue that Marlon Max 
I think Marlon Mack will be the starter week one. That's why uh, I say I on a realistic that, approach, it's going to be Marlon Mack. Right, and I think that when we look at the injury that may be past him, he just got lost in the shuffle in Indy. So I think that Houston will have a very good veteran back in Mack to start the year. And I can definitely see uh, Damian Pierce, who I think will have a very good camp, you know, turn some heads. I could, I could see him being a player that Houston really trusts earlier in the season with a good amount of snaps. Now, when we look at we look at corner, right, Stingley. We look at safety, Petrie. You mentioned Damian Pierce. And I'm going to go with John Mechie. Not as a player who should start week one, right? I don't, I don't necessarily think he should be the starter week one. But what I want to look at for the season is taking away some of the snaps from the other already known, not that, not very productive wide receivers. So last season – when we look at the snaps played, Brandon Cooks played in 831 snaps, Chris Moore 214, Nico Collins 536, Chris Conley 567, and Jalen Camp with 22. And right now, if we look at the uh, if we look at the depth chart for the Houston Texans at this current time, we look at at the wide receiver position: Brandon Cooks, John Mechie, Deshaun Hamilton, who I think will be. Uh, very good for Houston. Very useful. Uh, we also look at Jalen Camp, Davion Davis, Chris Moore, Philip Dorsett, Damon, Damon Hazleton, Nico Collins, and Chris Conley. Uh, a handful of those players didn't play for Houston. But uh, I think that when I look at what John Metchie can possibly be whenever he gets healthy, you know, Chris Conley and Chris Moore, both of those players, and more so Chris Conley, were very underwhelming last season. And so – I don't think that Metro should come in week one and be the starter, Cody and viewers. But I do think between weeks one and four, I would like to see Metro take some of those snaps away from a Chris Moore, from a Chris Conley. And those snaps can be now divided into snaps for Nico Collins, who, by the way, you know, he missed some games last season. Also rookie in an offense that was very terrible. The only productive that came out that offense, productive player that came out that offense consistently was Brandon Cooks, and he got the majority of the snaps at 831. But overall, some of those snaps that were delegated over to Chris Moore and Chris Conley, I would like Jalen, I mean, not Jalen, John Mechie to come in week one and implement, be implemented into the offense to take away from those snaps from those wide receivers. Which brings up another point that I just made in the last segment. This is why it's important for Nico Collins. <laughs> to make sure he has a really productive year. Because, John, as I just mentioned, um, John Mechie, he's coming off an ACL tear. I'm pretty sure he's going to be ready come week one of the regular season. But like I mentioned, I do think he could surpass the production of Nico Collins, even if he ends up playing only half of the, half of the year. Because, once again, Nico Collins recorded 446 total receiving yards last year. If... John Mechie ended up playing half of next season. You're talking about a situation where he's going to be in a position where he could average in the ballpark around 70 to 80 yards per game. And I think that's very doable for a player of his caliber. Another rookie that I want to mention real quick, I'm not going to stay on this topic for too long when speaking about him because he was a six-round pick. But, you know, I can see Austin Deckless having a very good camp, a very good rookie camp, very good training camp. Uh, and it being a player that Houston really keeps their eye on in reserve situations. I uh, was a part of the Joe Moore 
award that you know is handed out to the best offensive line units in the country when he's playing for LSU. Four-year starter. He's a big, strong guy. Uh, I think he'll be playing guard. And so Houston loves those versatile players and guys that they can use and swing opportunities like they tried to do with Charlie Heck and Roger Justin for those years that they spent here in Houston. And I can see him being a player that is learning from A.J. McCann, uh, taking up all of the game. And, you know, maybe at some point throughout the year, we see Declan's play some football. So I know the conversation was week one players that we like to see start. Like I know I kind of went elsewhere with John Mitchell just taking away snap from other players, but <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Austin Declan get some very good amount of playing time in the latter part of the year. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. So go ahead and find all of the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, the MLB scores that you need to know, fights, and even next season's NLF futurism. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions over at BetOnline because BetOnline is where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Now make Locked On NFL your second listen. Hey, listen, the schedule may be dark. It's coming out later today. So, hey, it'll brighten up some people's days. However, for us, you know, the NFL never stops, and neither do we at Locked On NFL. So get insight and opinions from hosts, including Roth Jackson, Chris Carter, Tony Wiggins, plus a lot of our local Locked On NFL local experts repping all 32 teams. There's no offseason for real fans, so make sure you subscribe to Locked On NFL on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So tomorrow we'll be talking, you know, pretty much about the scheduling, Cody. And we normally try to uh, keep our YouTube comments scheduled for Friday, but we're going to dive a lot into the schedule. So we pushed up the YouTube comments for today. And the first one I want to get into was when we had our draft grade. And what grade would Houston, would you score Houston after the draft? My boy Robert Vera said they did not draft the players I would have selected. They went for cover sacks instead of edge rushing sacks. So they got their players. Uh, so they got their players, cornerback, linebackers, gave them a B minus. I honestly think, listen, if you go between a B and an A, I think an A plus is pushing it. Uh, I think an A minus is solid, but I think a B minus is fair. I do agree with him. Everybody would have liked to see the Houston Texans address that uh, defensive line edge position. You know what I think? The problem may have been so, and this is just real quick me thinking. Jermaine Johnson was a three-four, played a three-four defense, um, and then we look at Thibodeau. He played in a three-four defense. I want to say Aiden Hutchinson may have been the only top defensive end prospect to play in a four-three defense. I, now I could be, you know, missing out on some Michigan information that I don't know, but. I think they may are they may be looking for players that they know without a shadow of a doubt is a defensive end. And I, I look at a Jermaine Johnson, I look at a, a, a Kevon Thibodeau who was available for Houston at third overall, even though we knew the entire time they were going corner. So mainly pointing towards Johnson, 
maybe this was a team that didn't want to have to deal with the transition of getting a defensive, a three, four linebacker and put him in, a, in the defensive end position. That's just a thought. Yeah. And honestly, John, I think that might be the perfect score. If you take all bias out of the Houston Texans draft, I mean, personally me, if I had to grade their draft, I would say I, I would give them a B plus only because the players that they got, they have a lot of potential. And I do think um, the players that they have, if they develop, the rebuilding process for this organization is going to be sped up. However, like I mentioned on yesterday when we talked about the signing of Jerry Hughes, you know, you sign a defensive end. Yes, he's a veteran. Yes, he is used to your system and all this other good stuff. But at the same time, he's, what, 34 years old or going to be 34 at some point in the season. So why go out and sign an aging defensive end when we really don't know what he has left in the tank? And B, and most importantly, how is he going to – how are the Texans going to benefit from this in their rebuild moving forward? Yeah, and I thought Addison was a good signing. I didn't think Jerry Hughes was necessary. So, again – I look at that position specifically defensive end as a depth position that maybe that's how they want to attack it. Situational at times, pick and choosing when and what player you want out there to get the best out of that uh, out, out of that player for that position. Jalen Johnson, 0339. And this was on the SEC finance, finance episode, a look into why the Houston Texans drafted a handful of SEC players. Uh, he mentioned that I didn't mind the Texans wanted to bring Bradbury in, but I wouldn't sleep if we didn't get him. The dude just wanted too much money. My bet he signs a one-year deal with a contender and tries to get a big payday next year. Besides, our secondary have improved a lot, so I'm not mad that we aren't able to get him. Our secondary hasn't really improved a lot, uh, but we are expecting our secondary to improve a lot. With Derek Singley, we also is we're expecting our offense to be much better, so our defense won't be out on the field as much, which played a big part into why those numbers look very bad for Houston last season defensively. But you know, I agree. If, if Houston is able to get him for cheap, you know, two to three million dollars, saving saving that extra seven million that they would have had to pay him doing via trade, um, that's great. But he's also a player who has been a pro bowler in this league, and he may want to go play for a contender after those couple of seasons of playing with a bad New York Giants team. Wouldn't be mad at him. Yeah, and I, and I think, once again, every veteran that the Texans bring in, my number one, my, my number one factor is how are the Texans going to benefit this for their rebuild? In terms of Bradbury, the best thing that I can think of, and I think I mentioned this during their show, was you get an opportunity to pair here with Derek Stingley. And if he goes out there once again, a low-risk, high-reward type of player, if he goes out there and exceed expectations, yeah, you, you will have a one-two-punch cornerback duo. However, I didn't think about the money aspect of things. I'm glad that you guys actually had an opportunity to bring that up into the equation, which I don't... I would not like to see the Houston Texans overpay him, you know, should they bring him in on a one-year prove deal and he exceeds, and I'm pretty sure he will exceed expectations. Uh, last but not least, homecoming, grading the Houston Texans free agent acquisition of veteran defensive end Jerry Hughes, Curtis Howard, and I think this is the best way to end off. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst.
<laughs> Especially on the day that the 2022 schedule is being released. Yeah, you hope for the best, but you prepare for the worst, right? Thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texas podcast. Um, also, this Friday, rookie mini camp starts as well. So that inspect, inspect that that uh, insight Cody will be able to bring, and he'll be out there. That'll be very interesting, and I'm excited to hear and see what's going on with that. Make sure you're giving us a follow at Locked On Texas on Twitter and subscribe on YouTube as well. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.